All right. It should be working now. It all got a little hectic in the last second here. Guys, thanks for the subs and stuff. Uh, I had to quickly set this, uh, this up, but it all worked okay, out. Give this man your money. I don't have to uh, adjust the camera while on stream this time. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. I'm not sure. I think most people are not as familiar with you anymore because you haven't been playing that actively, I would say, the last... If I have to take a guess, the last two years, maybe? Yeah, I think it's closer to two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, even. it's definitely at least two. But for those who still remember you, uh, you used to stream like pretty similar, maybe not the, the similar content-wise, but you, you did also like podcast things, maybe not as much, but you did interviews and stuff. And I remember actually, I think... I think it was the first, uh, the first one to ever reach out to me to to ask, "Hey, want to come on?" And you know what? I have to say, I'm I'm not uh, like I'm not ashamed to admit. At the time, I was a little nervous about it, right? Because like hostility between the groups and the game and all that stuff—they're very real at times, right? So I was thinking, like, am I putting myself out there? Because like obviously, when you have C, like you know, it's usually. The other side is talking shit about you, which is normal. But do you want to, you know, draw it in? You're like, do you want to to get people to talk more shit, even and all that stuff? So I remember being a little nervous, but it turns out everyone was alright, and uh, especially, I mean, the community on Twitch. I think everyone, not everyone, but ninety percent are positive. Like no matter what you do, so. Um, yeah, thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you'll get people who will go to Twitch streams occasionally to just like make a mess. But the people who are consistent Twitch fans, they they're kind of like like you and I, which is you just like good content, whether it's in game or out of game. Yeah, and I mean, we at the time were also fairly close. Um, stage together right so you guys were like uh staged in fade and i was uh still in it and also uh like already in it and then in uh fountain already so like it was like we didn't know what we had at the time that sometimes when i look <laughs> back at these situations like look at this you guys were right there it was like 10 jumps like literally i i think several times a week we took like five gate jumps and one titan bridge and we were in your main a care bear pocket like literally that was like and at the time we didn't even we didn't understand what we had until you guys decided to leave right then everyone was like shit what are we doing now like there's like content heaven for us to just go there even if we like feed you guys nobody felt bad about losing a couple ships to horde and stuff right so you know, I think both sides profited a lot there. And I kind yeah, of miss definitely. those times. I mean, God bless anyone who tried to live in Cloud Ring during that time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the, the French Keepster, obviously, right? The 49, uh, not 49 Dash. 9 Tech 4. 9 Tech 4. Um, which was in interesting, right? <laughs> that we refed yeah. when, when you guys wanted to leave and all that stuff. Yeah, that was was quite quite an interesting kind of conflict. Um, but yeah, so what have you been up to then? Like two and a half years. 
And why would you come back now? Right? Is it the war? Well, no. I mean, um, so what I've been up to is kind of why I came back. So the last few months that I streamed, I basically was like, I'm gonna, you know, grind really hard and see if I can make this a livable wage. Uh, and it turns out, no. Uh, you have to. I mean, the grind on Twitch. Anyone who's done it to try to like actually make it their income is just really difficult. Um, so. I basically went back to a full-time job and I went to college at the same time. Um, so I finished a four-year degree in two years and have like a really nice job now, uh, which obviously took all of my time. I actually came back. Um, I came back maybe a, two weeks before uh, Goons and Test called it. So people people see me and they're like, hey, you came back for the war, huh? And I'm like, well, more like the war came back for me, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. Like, uh, congratulations to your uh, degree and the job and all that stuff. Like, uh, you know, I know I know what it takes. Like, I know how hard it is. Obviously, I'm streaming too. Like, I know it's not like what people might think you know you just you know turn on the stream and do what you do usually and you just get paid now right like that's not the reality of things right yeah no no and, especially uh, what i was doing it took so much off stream prep um I just put it keeping tabs on like there was i was probably broadcasting between 20 and 10 percent of the eve i was observing because so much of it was not stream worthy but i needed to be watching to catch the stuff that was um and having all the characters in the right places before things started to happen because you know as you know something can pop off and it's it's over in 20 minutes so if yeah. you don't have the character in the right spot like you just you're just not going to stream it um and sometimes you know i'm i'm like up for 16 to 20 hours and then i'm about to go to bed and then autz decides to do something that lasts six more hours so it was it was difficult and definitely and especially I, I i don't know how it is in other places but in the u.s uh the amount of money that someone can like calculate that you make uh if you're just making it as a contractor which is what you are on twitch like there's no there's no health insurance there's no anything else and all of that money is before taxes which uh self-employment taxes are pretty decent um so yeah it was it was not tenable it was certainly fun uh i enjoyed every minute of it yeah for those who like wonder like the main thing you did was like fight coverage and like you said like i think it is even more than like a normal FC would uh, would have to put in like work wise, right? Because like as one FC, you would you know pay attention to your guys and pay attention to the to the guys you're fighting directly. Right? And there's a certain time zone where it overlaps. You don't have to have that full picture of all of Eve. I mean, most of the time. Right now, maybe more than usually, but uh, in general, you know, it's limited at least, right? But if you want to cover all of Eve, want to have all the good fights, you know, you have to have all that. You have to have, first of all, you have to have the experience to know what has potential to kick off. Then you have to have contacts most most of the time, I'm guessing, right? That people contacted you and gave you the intel and said, okay, there's a yeah. high chance, right? That was hard for me. Um, I, I had a, a benefit and a, and a 
sort of deficit in that because as a horde director, FC, etc., um, you know, horde stuff, stuff that we were involved in, I, you know, I already knew where it was. And if we were going to do anything special, I had a heads up on it. But because I was well known as a horde director, it was hard to get a lot of other people to talk to me. Um, a few people would because they basically took a risk and said, hey, you know, this is when this is happening. Obviously, please, no leaks, etc. cetera. Uh, and then I didn't leak, so they would continue afterwards. But most of the groups just, they were just like, nah. And especially, I mean, I don't blame them looking back at all of Eve's history, like so many of the, um, like CSM and stuff like that, that is supposed to be explicitly neutral. Yeah, but at the time... But I That's think at the time, Haunt was probably... Sorry, I have to mute the thingy sounds. Uh, at the time, I think Haunt was probably the the best group to be in for something like that because people didn't take Haunt that serious at the time. Now it's kind of changed, right? Haunt is a massive group. They're probably the strongest group in Panfam and so on. So now that would be a different thing. But back then, people were not too worried but still, it was probably hard to get get a hold of like well, good inter. People outside. always people like people assumed that if you were horde leadership, that made you PL, which is very. Mm. I mean, like I guess because horde was started by PL folks, so like at the beginning they were, you know, explicitly PL folks that were leading horde. But um, and there was a lot of the leadership in horde would like step up to PL line membership after being a leader in Horde, which never appealed to me. Um, so sometimes people would, I mean, like Gigax, for instance, I fought him a few times and PL came in and he's like, I know you prepared them. Like they, I guess they, some people <laughs> thought we were sleeper agents. That's how Gigax works though. Yes. I remember, I remember I showed up in, in, uh, in CO2 staging once. And I don't, I forgot what exactly happened, but I think we killed like a few Omen navies, right? He flew Omen navies at the time and we killed a few and, and then he reformed and brought like, I don't even know, a shit ton of people, right? And we went Snatch, if you remember Snatch. Oh, yeah. And, and then we left, right? Like, I can't fight this too much, right? And then he's like, Panda, you will never change. I didn't even know the guy, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you will never change, right? He instantly had like some grudge going. I mean, he's a character that do it, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, we like we talked about Gigax uh, on this podcast and more than once, right? Everyone has like a little bit of an opinion on 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 the whole situations, but uh, situation, but yeah, yeah, he's he uh, Gigax good for the game. I'm not sure good for a lot of the people he interacted with, from what I heard. Um, yeah. but I don't know. He just, it, you know, like I don't know. I think in Eve, Eve, Eve rewards intense personalities with content a lot of the time. Um, but there's always fallout for intense personalities and those they interact with. Yeah. I mean, we also don't know the uh, the the whole story. I believe. Right? I think CCP is not the type. I mean, obviously, I know that very very well. Um to go out and tell the story why someone got banned and all that stuff mm -hmm. there's no no real details i think there's more a little bit more to it than like most people are aware right it's not just that one thing i think he did some shit before but yeah probably 
Yeah. But hey. So what have you been missing? What do you like what did you hear from the from the outside that you um, uh, I didn't you really hear. I mean, I know I kept an eye on I was I stayed subscribed to the Reddit, so for timing, I left right around when the um abyssal stuff was coming out. Um so abyssal mods I I know about. I know that they exist and kind of how they work, but I was somebody said, "Oh, you should get an abyssal this or that thing," and I'm like, "I don't even know how to buy those." Let me tell you about the kick in my face. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, the, I saw the the like Sino changes, the Treglavian stuff, um, and you know some of the other uh, interceptors, fleet or uh, combat interceptors not being nullified, and then the rise of the hacks. But you know, as far as details, it was I didn't pay super close attention, but I'm. I'm I'm slowly picking it up. I'm still occasionally seeing. I saw like the um, Triglavian armor ship, the like Zarm Zarmzaz or whatever it is, Zalmas. and had no idea what it was. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> with that kind of name, it's Triglavian, but I don't know what it does, so I'm not sure what to do here. Yeah, and then ob obviously also the Kiki, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell me about tell me about your friend the Kiki more. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, I could go like and and praise the Kiki for an hour. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, when you when you stop playing, like, what what did you miss? Like, if uh, politics or if story wise, then. Uh, uh, I mean, for me, it's always about about fleet fight gameplay. Like, I don't. The lore doesn't matter to me at all. The politics, they're fun to engage in sometimes, but like, I, here, it's not really, I don't really get dragged into it. I just, I like the the combat puzzle that is presented to you on a, on a grid. And then as the puzzle changes, you need to keep solving it in different ways. And however quickly and however best you can solve it, you know, decides uh, some, some of the time. Sometimes it's who has more puzzle pieces, but and so I remember when we first talked, I'm not sure if it was like right at the beginning, but we talked about like potential changes and problems in the game and all that stuff a lot. I mean, I talked with like a lot of FCs that that's what happens, right? When you talk to another FC, like everyone yeah. kind of steers and then you know throws around ideas and stuff. And I remember us talking about some stuff. So in the in those two and a half years, did CCP actually make some some changes that you really uh that you really like like something that you thought they should have been doing earlier i mean the i mean changing combat scepters to not be nullified is a is a welcome change i personally think that they should separate combat and nullification completely like i don't like nullified things that can fight that's that's just i understand there's certain gameplay that that would mess with i personally don't care about the gameplay so that's just my opinion um you know, I, I think the biggest the biggest things that uh, still need to be addressed in EVE are things that are tedium, that are not, they're just not worth, they're not useful. Like, tedium shouldn't be a cost, I don't think, in a game. Um, like, micromanaging and, 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 you know, investing skill points in ISK into, like, automation and things like that. Um, you know, like being able to do bigger, more order, more buy orders, more manufacturing slots, stuff like that makes sense. Um, but, you know, like the Sino changes, for instance, I understand the point of them, but 
it just it made it made a bunch of gameplay that didn't seem to be the target of the change a whole lot more tedious which mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me i think the standard changes were one of the better ones to be quite honest i think we really needed that i mean how long so you've been back for um almost like two a, months yeah a month and a half something like that so how I much mean, the, the combat sino changes i think are great but the fact that they obviously didn't even think about the industrial sino stuff and then their solution for it it's just like moving industrial sinos around is a huge pain in the ass and i don't really care that much but it just adds a bunch of tedium to a bunch of players for no reason Uh, like that's the kind of stuff um you know like the attribute system i still think needs needs something like that remaps are a thing is really really annoying Uh, i'm not sure that any player that hasn't played eve before would be like "Ooh, i like that system I think a lot of us have Stockholm syndrome about uh, it. Yeah, that's true. I think the the attribute system it kind of feels like it's complexity for complexity's sake, right? It's like to make it more complex, but there's no real, you know, sense behind yeah. it. I think the mechanics of it are a vestige of, I mean, because back in the day you trained learning skills to increase your attributes. Yeah. So I think they're, I think that it exists mechanically the way that it exists is a vestige of that and what you're saying of like complexity for complexity's sake um because a lot of games had that garbage back then but i think the reason that it's that they still work the way that they do is because i think they've admitted as much that the lp market is like heavily pinned by attribute implants or or held up by it Hmm. so they've like they've got these systems that interact with each other and it all kind of like organically developed into this one blob that has all these pieces that are connected um and if you just say oh no more remaps then you're gonna have people who are complaining well i used to be able to train this fast and now that you've taken remaps i can only train this fast and yeah so like i get it but i think at some point you have to band-aid off because it's just it's it's really annoying but i mean so if that's the point with the attributes i can see the problem and then I have to go back and say it's not that big of an issue after all. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, of course like, not. There's course. other things to fix then. So like if it was easily done with just removing the, the whole attribute thing, all right, let's do it. But you know, that's gonna come with a host of problems, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, it's an old I think I think that the thing with Eve in particular to me that I feel like CCP really has to consider and and it historically hasn't is what is what is the way for someone to optimize this system and what does that look like because there are eve players in particular are going to optimize the system and it's the reason they took learning skills out because optimizing the system of learning skills means you don't get to play for like three months Um, remaps if you're like being really optimal and you're a new player having to train skills within your remap like limits your gameplay if you're trying to optimize your sp and I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure that I like that incentive being there because that's I think what gets people to quit the game. I mean, the first time I quit, it was because I trained learning skills for two months and got bored. You know, I've never remapped ever. Never, yeah, I set to a balanced remap like two, three years ago and just forgot about it. I mean, some people might not know, but there are some characters with a like a certain um, whatever you call it, like 
race, tribe, and all that stuff mix, right? That have two points more than the maximum, actually. My character is one of those. So you do have two points extra. So when, when I would, like, if I were remap right now, I would have two points in total less because it's already set on minus two, right? Right, yeah, so yeah. I've minus two available to remap. So in that case, exactly, Kaldari, Atura, whatever, right? So um, if I would remap, I'm not paying attention to the skills anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't make sense. Well, once you get to a that. certain point where you feel like you can fly pretty much everything you want to. Yeah, that, I mean that anyway, right? So it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like that was one of the things that people talked about before is should you ever have the ability in EVE actually to fly everything? Or should you always have to uh, to specialize? I'm I'm not sure what would be, you know, I'm not sure if it wouldn't be beneficial for the game experience if everyone had to kind of choose a path because i mean that's kind of what they're pushing people for, uh, to anyway right so they're saying like choose who you want to be kind of you know what what do you want to be you want to be a bounty hunter which is obviously i mean what the <laughs> fuck right yeah, or like yeah, a minor yeah. or like you want to be a politician or whatever right so they kind of uh, want people to specialize but then skill wise like you can actually be everything at once right so yeah, I, I mean, I think some of that is solved with ISK investment that needs to happen for certain, for you to be certain types of, you know, like if you want to be the manufacturing god, then like you have to sink ISK into that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of that, like, people are going to LARP at LARP, like whatever they want to be. So I don't, I'm not sure it really matters with the skills. At least I don't think so. Oh, you know what another idea was, which I really like and uh, i mean it's kind of my idea so of course i like it (laughs) of course yeah what if what if there was a wormhole going up and it goes like it's maybe it's the eve gate but it doesn't go just back you know but it leads to new space but it's basically a restart but now the take like you don't want people to leave this universe and start a new one right so the idea is that it's temporary right let's say there's a warmer going up, it leads into a new region, and everyone starts with zero, basically, but it only holds up for half a year. After half a year, you can maybe jump out with one ship or so, maybe your cargo full of shit, whatever. You can try to bring it over, right? Can't be that much, because you start with zero, and half a year, how far can you get, right? But the thing is, it's, a, it's an even playing ground. It would be an entry for all kinds of new players, right? They want to start the game, and then, you know, at this date, the fucking Eve gate opens and you have like this unique, like complete new player experience again, right? Everyone is a new yeah. player, technically. Some have I mean, knowledge. You're, you're describing is... seasons, basically. Yes, yes. I mean, kind of, right? And then you would have, like, if you look at it then, you have a half a year to get somewhere, but you would specialize. You wouldn't just skill everything. You can't, right? Like, what are you going to do? You, you know, you're probably not even going to reach a capital. Maybe you bring an alt in that specializes in that or whatever, right? Some people will go hardcore right away, I'm guessing. But at the same time, everyone starts even, everyone, you know. So I kind of, I, I would kind of like to see an experiment like that. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I fully agree. It will just literally not happen for, for uh, monetary reasons. Because like, you can't sell skill injectors and 
Plex and stuff inside of temporary space. I mean, you can, and certain people will buy it, but not the nearly at the rate though, as they do outside. But the thing is, though, those characters, like, let's say it is a draw for new players. If you have more players playing, after half a year, they're back on the on the other server where you can actually buy and sell skill injectors, whatever, right? And so, I, technically... Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, but I think I think what you're going to run into is people who a lot of people that just don't participate in the permanent cycle. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I just, I just play the seasons. Like, I don't know how big right. is the Diablo non-season uh, community because there are a lot of people that play Diablo three like regular mode without seasonal stuff. I don't know, but I mean, to compare Diablo with with Eve, I think that's a a little bit unfair too. I mean, Diablo is completely casual, right? I mean, yeah, no, I I feel you. I, I'm just saying, like, I, uh, that would be awesome for me. I think the closest we'd probably end up getting is having players create some kind of, like, um, war games type situation where a bunch of powers large enough to somewhat enforce it declare a region as, like, T1 Cruiser region or something for a month. But I, uh. I don't know, I'm not sure you could sell it to, to CCP to... To do that, not to mention you're also asking them to use development uh, energy and time to do so. Although, maybe you charge that much. Maybe you just charge a one-time fee for it every time they open the that sort of temp universe. Just make everyone pay like forty bucks to get in. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would pay forty bucks for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, it's a great idea. Someone else can do it though. (laughs) But for free, please, guys, come on. But uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, I think CCP is a little bit more open to experimentation now. I mean, that's one thing you missed out completely is Blackout, right? Oh, wait. Yeah, I mean, I watched yeah. I watched the tears. I was, I mean, that's, if I was going to come back and actually play during any of the time when I was uh, doing school stuff, it would have been then because it seemed like exactly my jam. Uh, but did they do, have they done more experimentation other than that? I mean, I know they're adding space weather. Space weather is coming. It's a little controversial. I don't hate it. The space weather is fine. I think it's it's. I think it's cool. I think that there. Hopefully, there will be groups that follow the weather and like become like you know (laughs) the weather warriors in the storm or whatever you know. (laughs) Um, But I think they said there are going to be eight for the entire galaxy. So the chances that one is actually going to run over you and you're not seeking it out. But it moves pretty low i mean well yeah i, I it know it's one moves, system still, a day this is still like how many systems are there in eve you know, yeah i mean 2000 something right but how yeah, many i know it's like it only out of whatever chance yeah i mean uh i mean technically you can predict when the when the storm cloud gets into a certain area where you think, okay, that's where we can get content. So I can totally see groups, let's say a, a medium-sized group that is like fairly tight-knit, like a snuffed out or like um, Volta. Yeah, Volta was a, a name that came up in my mind right away too. Like maybe these guys keep eyes on those and they're like, oh, it's in this area now. Mm-hmm. Let's let's grab this and this doctorate. I made this for this like weirdo storm, right? And uh, let's, you know, kill some stuff. And then they start refing uh, structures and your stuff under the storm. And then you have to defend it. Do, do mm-hmm. the, the storms move how often? Do we know? 
I think one system a day. Because that means that basically you can't, you'll never be able to actually destroy a structure under the storm unless you ref it that, before the storm gets there. I mean, that's not necessarily true because so it's. I think the the storm center is it is it two systems? Oh yeah, yeah. Or is it right, one system? Right. And then you have the outskirts of the storm, which is I think it's a it's a diameter of like seven systems total that you would have to cross to get through. That's technically like a week, right? So if it moves through, it's a yeah. week on each system. You could do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we will see. I mean, hopefully there's some people, like some crafty people coming up with some cool shit. I mean, it might just open some. The question I have is, I wonder how... You would assume that the values for things are just changed when you're in the system. But my concern is that the values for the changes the storm creates are going to be additional calculations. So tie-dye is going to be even worse in those systems. Like, I, I don't know how mm. have, have people compared. I mean, I guess it's hard to like, f to figure out in a wormhole, whether one or the other is happening. Cause when there's a humongous wormhole fight, it's like pretty obvious and the node I'm sure gets reinforced. I don't think so. What I'm thinking how it works is you jump into system and then your ship gets, you know, um, instance basically, right? So, like, this is your resist. This is like what you have. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. It's including including the storm. I don't think that extra little bit is going to make that big difference in the fight itself. The calculation is already done. So, if that wasn't the case, I think yes, you would be right. That would be crazy. Like every time I'm you get just, shot. Maybe I'm just but, pessimistic about yeah <laughs> the, the, the tie dye and the way that it can actually interact with mechanics is probably my least favorite thing about Eve right now. Like, uh, yeah. it's it's really frustrating. Like, it would be one thing if tie-dye was just regular-ass Eve, but slowed way down. But the problem is that when the tie-dye gets deep enough, the mechanics actually start to break. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. You know, obviously, if it was, if it was more money and they had it, they would just do it. So I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Complain, I guess. I don't think it's necessarily a money thing. Um, I think it's just. I mean, you don't see any other game doing it. There's no other game with 2,000 people, no matter what. Like, probably a 2,000 people chess match would uh, would probably struggle too, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think server, like, um, from a technical side, I think they they, they are quite, quite far with what they can do, right? There are stuff, uh, there's stuff coming, though, with, like, the Hadian uh, guys. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. But there's a, it's a cloud, it's cloud computing uh, based, uh, basically, right? So all the calculations the server is doing, like basically is put on the client, right? So the clients um, would calculate that and stuff. So I'm not entirely sure, like don't ask me about the exact tech, but they did some test runs and stuff like this, but I don't think that's going to be ready for EVE anytime soon. That's going to be like in five years time or so. But yeah, but yeah, I, I think mean, people... Interesting way to think about it. The, that does increase the complexity of your sort of, your basically your IO for your server, right? So you can't you have to have multiple instances of each calculation so that in case somebody loses their connection you don't lose that calculation you also have to make sure that the calculations that are being done on each person's client are not the ones that are are being sent from the client right so 
Um, yeah, that's it's interesting. I'm not sure. The problem with that stuff is that um, like distributed computing for real time stuff is the depending on like you have such a variance of player uh, hardware and connection speed and connection consistency that uh, I'm not sure it would be interesting but I'm not sure how well it would work long term well I mean they seem quite confident like <laughs> well most tech startups do seem quite confident yeah yeah the thing is I mean yeah you're right you're right but um so Look, there man, was I, first... I work all day and single Azure servers sometimes decide to just die for no reason. So <laughs> forgive me for not trusting in cloud computing quite as much. <laughs> but like, let's just assume. Let's just like, I hope it works, obviously, right? Let's just say like in five years, uh, Hadian comes out and says, okay, we're ready. Here you go. There's the tech CCP and, uh, you know, they implemented everything works perfectly. No tie-dye ever again. So what would change, right? What would change, uh, honestly? I think a lot. I think most people, most people in fleet, and so they don't have an idea how much influence Tide actually has. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, like as of C's, we see that every day. Like it's part of the equation you have to solve most of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would. I don't. Maybe it would be the final rise of the Zoomer, right? If being able to, if you're, if you're talking like two four thousand person fights with no tie-dye the reaction times start to really matter because mm -hmm. uh, right now it's like okay you know if you have enough if there are enough people on the field where you're easily alphaing each other instantly usually there's tie-dye enough tie-dye to call targets at a reasonable rate and think about things before you make decisions so yeah i, I don't know maybe yeah. old men like me are not, not going to be so successful if that ever happens you know what's one thing that would profit from it? You, the first time I saw you, no, actually it was the second time I saw you local. I did a bush bomb run just for fun, right? Oh, I had yeah. like one destroyer cloak up like 100km, had bombers warp to me, bombed me, and then like I, I tried to time it, which, you know, I, I bushed a couple of bombs. It wasn't perfect, but, you know, the bombs landed where they're supposed to land and all that stuff. And then you said in local, <laughs> the this technique, it's a forbidden technique. Like it was forbidden <laughs> by the grandmasters. <laughs> it's like... I mean, when the boosters were first announced, that was like... Everyone was thinking about it. Maybe the second thing that I thought of, I'm like, you could launch bombs and then boost them onto people. Yeah, and yeah. then immediately I was like, that would and never, that you could never actually pull that. No, you could never actually, no. And I threw I, it in my like, don't even bother thinking about it, can yeah you know what like I, like quickly after like the, the bushers came into the game and i instantly jumped onto that obviously right like like i love bushing and stuff and then every day people were like combo me saying hey do, did you know you can bush bombs and every time i would say dude i get it and in theory it's all great but try to set it up properly try to make that run happen try to have the right situation at the right time you have to have the pinks but like there's so many things that have to be on point it's a style it's just a style move you know like that no, much actually, energy and effort goes into it like you could probably achieve the same thing in a different way that's the thing so hear me out so there's a difference <laughs> all right all right so the, there's a reason why i tried it right and there's a reason why i went so far and said okay we need to learn this technique actually and the reason is if you look at mutants for example lane up mwds on they're fine 
you cannot bomb them. They're too fast. You might land a bomb run if you're like perfect position with foresight, you're aligned to the right thing, but that's that's even more of a stretch, right? So you, like it's very hard to catch Munins with a bomb run. Unless, you know, they make a massive mistake. They're sitting still, they're doing some bullshit, right? Or they land in a bubble. Sits on a ping for like 15, 20 seconds. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I've bombed a bunch of mutants before. So uh, they have to make a massive mistake though, right? Now with the bomb, uh, with the normal bomb run, you would always land behind them. You would never hit them, right? They're always too fast. With a bush bomb run, however, it's one guy who has to have the skill to bush slightly in front of him. If you bump this yeah, guy, don't you need multiple squads, so you need multiple guys. That's the that's the thing. Now you do. Like before the patch, I'm not sure if you're aware, but bombs got nerfed a little bit, right? Um, before the patch, you could just wipe them out with one bomb run. But still, I think it would be um, very helpful um, if you land a full squad of bombs, six, seven bombs, on them. They cannot react in time. They cannot ADC in time because they're probably in a messy fight. You're not going to pay attention to some bombs that are flying around 100 km from you, <laughs> right? There's some well, bombs at 100. And you don't even, like, they're bombing into nowhere, basically, right? Because the Command Destroyer only decloaks right before he injuries. And then you have five seconds time to realize. And then maybe you have seven to maybe, maybe 10 seconds where you could react if you realize, right? But you're going to realize too late, I believe. Right. So you're going to have like three to four seconds to hit that ADC without tie You're being so generous. Most people, 95% of people are not going to ever know what happened to them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In most cases, I don't think they're going to ADC. I don't think they will. No. Because in a messy fight, you're not paying attention. Well, the you're FC not would have to notice coming. and call it in time, and they'd have to like just trust that command while not being shot at. Like It would probably not. I mean, most of the time, I think literally everyone in that fleet, including the FC, is going to be like, what just happened? I took a bunch of damage. I don't know yep. why. And then think about it. Like, if you land a solid squad of bombs, um, they're going to be low shields, if not in armor, right? Yeah, and a shitload of them are going to hit their ADC. Just and then they hit their ADC. Then it's too late. And then their low hit points with an ADC on cooldown, that's, a defi that's definitely an advantage. And you can all do this with, like, 10 dudes in your fleet, right? You're gonna sacrifice a command right. destroyer most you likely. Me. Let's do it. But yeah, I'm I'm trying. I will do this. <laughs> I just didn't have like so the fights that we're having right now. Everyone's like super careful, right? You guys yeah. in in Fountain, you know, we are not in position to contest those numbers right now in Fountain. But if we jump over to Fountain, like it's gonna be like whatever, right? Same goes for the other front in um, in period bases and. Uh, Paragon Soul, right? Test wants to fight on one side, we want, want to fight on the other side, and it's like always a little bit big, back and forth, so you never get the chance to really set stuff stuff up, I feel like, but um, I believe that's probably going to change very soon, and then we're going to see a little bit more reliable brawly fights, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to land the Forbidden Technique, that's for sure. <laughs> And, you know, I'm not too worried about giving it away, like, you know. I think yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard, to, it's, it's hard to do, and it's not just one person who has to get good. And, I mean, technically it is, right? Technically it is one Well, per... the bombers have to aim proper, properly, no. right? So, the, I mean, I don't want to, maybe I shouldn't give everything away, but technically. So what are you going to do? So for everyone who wants to learn the, the forbidden technique, that's, here's how I think it should be done, right?
So first, you need to to have the uh, a couple of bookmarks at least on that grid, right? Which is the hard part. You need to predict where the fight is going to take place. Oh yeah. Well, okay, that's cheating. You can't. Well, you know, no, no, no. So first, you need to be Nostradamus. No, Once no, no, you no, can no, no. Accurately predict the future, <laughs> like Minority can, Report style. So you can be very fast and flexible with it too. I think. Right? But it helps certainly to know, okay, this is most likely where it's going to take place. So you have a spot. Like, it doesn't matter if it's the perfect spot where you're going to be. It's exactly 100K from whatever. But have some people that give you some options to warp around, right? So you can warp your command destroyer in a spot with a good chance of getting in a good bomb position. It's not that hard to predict, I think. Right? So it's possible. Uh, be it a gate, be it a fucking citadel, whatever. So you warp that dicta in. You cloak it up on night grids and you have the bombers on a ping. And when that's on the predictor, sorry, the command destroyer, right? So you cloak the command destroyer. And when that command destroyer, and you can have several of those, right? You can have like 10 of these. As soon as one of them says, okay, I'm in a good spot, bomb uh, me. Okay. You right. warp the bombers down at 25 because, you know, you want to bomb a little bit over the thing. So the window for the bush is a little bit bigger. You bomb at 25 and you make sure everyone just bombs. Because you're cloaked, people will gonna uh, will be confused, right? They're bombing into nowhere basically because they don't see you, right? And then when the bombs are at, I think what I said was 13 km, when you when the damage bombs are at 13 km, that's where you decloak and boost, right? So the timing should work out. They should be right on you. You should be boosting them forward, and then um, all that. So that's the math part, right? That the seems reality. Like a lot of preparation. I don't think it's that much preparation. That's the thing, right? That's what I always said. It is like, is it worth the work? And I think till now I thought it probably isn't, but I I believe I changed my mind a little bit. So I'm giving it a shot and uh, like, hopefully it works. <laughs> well, you know, if it starts working, that they're just going to nerf. They're going to say bombs can't get boosted anymore. Oh my god, stop it. What? It's not my fault. <laughs> you got Boucher's nerfed. Mm. You know, that's still one of the, like, just today in Fleet, someone had to bring it up again, like, hey, remember those days where we could just boosh everyone? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I do remember those days. And then also the days where, like, there was roll cards everywhere, right? You jump into a constellation and there's, like, four systems with oh, ten yeah. cards each. You don't see that yeah, anymore. Yeah, that that's the, yeah, that's, that's the biggest I think thing that I've come back to is the mm. the Oracle nerfs and the super nerfs. It's like that's sort of changing. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess I'm not I'm I don't know enough about the situation to be sure, but it seems like a pretty decent buff for Horde overall because of where we are at in our sort of overall arc of development where we have like just a, a lot of capital not super capital just regular capital pilots yeah i guess yeah yeah you're right i mean i think you know given a few more years it'd be a different story but i think like the curve of people progressing from subcaps into caps into supers the fact that now you know there were nerfs that essentially said well supers are not only not that good anymore uh, compared to how they used to be but now it's also harder to make them um yeah i think so I do, I, man, I, I mean, anyone who knows me, if I say I used to mine in a Rorqual, they should know how good Rorquals used to be. <laughs> it's like, it's probably the only PVE thing I've ever done. 
it's, it was insane because like when people dropped you it was like all right sweet now you get to essentially play a play like a, a fax tank mini game where people are trying to kill you and you get to micromanage all your stuff like you're a fax in a wormhole or something and back then the the tank on those rockets was insane it was crazy yeah i tanked like you could tank many dreads in a single rockwool yeah. not bling fit yeah it was crazy and then double asb triple asb like all kinds of weird <laughs> shit right and we would be there with like 200 people in bombers and everyone is focused voiding and the rocker would just be like well, i'm injecting dudes like yep. like fuck you run out of ammo sometimes it was insane yeah but then you remember that one fight yeah you guys <laughs> you remember that one right have yeah. you seen the name of our new staging citadel no what is it it's called never forgetty the spaghetti and the spaghetti is that fight. All right. You know what? I think you went AFK. And then afterwards, I had a whelp that was multiple times bigger than yours. Right? <laughs> so you don't have to, you have to worry. I, I lost like how many Titans? I think two Titans, two faction supers, like a Revenant, Oof. a Vendetta. I don't know. We killed a bunch of dreads for it. I mean, it was fun, you know. I, but... Yeah, we didn't. We didn't kill like any. I basically gave up. I didn't die in that fight, by the way. I caught a, a god bounce and survived. But yeah, it was a. That was a nasty. I fight. watched a video of it, and I was like, it just felt. It felt like watching something very cute because I remember feeling at the time that oh no, I've I've lost our entire cat fleet. Like, I wasn't depressed or anything because I knew that we had prepared for it. Uh, you know, like, Gobbins basically said, if you need to whelp the cat fleet to get content, don't feel like, don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, don't not jump in because you're afraid that we won't have a cat fleet and that will affect our safety as a coalition or whatever. Um, but I remember feeling like I just whelped almost all of our caps. And looking back at the video, it's like 30 carriers. It's not that big of a deal, really. <laughs> no. I mean, it kind of was at the time. It, at the time, it was. It, but just for me to have, to feel that way and then to see where we're at now, we're like, oh, over, overflow cat fleet is up. Like, oh, yeah. okay. And uh, so for those, like, I'm not sure if I uh, can recall everything, like all, every detail about it, but back then you were staging Faye, we were staging Fountain, and then it was exactly the situation we talked about earlier, right? All we had to do was five jumps and a, a Titan bridge and boom, mm -hmm. we were right there and you were, you guys were rocket mining. Oh, and then, yeah. Well, I mean, then, we had we had eyes, but it was like you could if if we didn't have. I mean, our espionage stuff wasn't nearly as good, so a lot of the times it was we see you undock and tell people to stop their um their whatever the industrial core cycles or whatever. But sometimes just didn't happen in time because you could be there in ten minutes. Yeah, and then but so we were also working together with Snuff a lot at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So Snuff got the initial tackle. That was like one of our ways to always do it to people, right? Snuff is not the biggest group. They're scary, right? But usually people know, like, uh, so if they do shit, they usually stay in the Losic area with like dreads and all that stuff. They rarely get to uh, to Nullsec unless it's like really like some big fish, right? And so a lot of times Snuff would show up with like subcaps only and then leave again and stuff like this. But then Snuff tackles you guys. Then we come in with, I forgot what ships we even brought. I think we came in actually with Macarials. Well, somebody came in in T3s, but I think that was Snuff. That was because they, yeah. in, they, they, were, they were doing back when Nully Lokis, I think, or Nully Tengus 
or not Nolly, but um, Covert, where you had they would use a Covert bridge, but the ships were still really good in a fight because T3s used to be really good. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot uh, what, what then, exactly. Yeah, I think it came in max after that. And we got super lucky, which like you don't see in any of the videos, but like so the dude that lit the sign up for us, we didn't know. Right? Some dude had a sign for us. We didn't know who it was. That dude wouldn't like you know these kind of signers. You talk mm -hmm. like you're, you're trying to find out like are you right next to the carriers? And he's just giving you some weird answer. He's like, uh, yeah, there's two rockers here, or like some like yeah. that dude was completely he confusing. Goes, up. Yeah, and that dude was completely confusing, and, and Bliss was sitting there thinking like, what what am I gonna do now? Like I don't have eyes on grid. There's a dude with the sino. He talks like weird shit, and like <laughs> so we had the same situations. Then, Except you, you got lucky and I got unlucky because I didn't have <laughs> eyes on grid, and a guy told me a thing. Because uh, I, I mean, the reason that I went in it was because someone said that the, not even just someone, like it wasn't just a voice in the comms, but someone who ostensibly had eyes on grid said that the that a bunch of dreads had just come in uh, on top of the rockwalls, and because we had put I think two or three faxes in on top of the rockwalls that were tackled, and. Then they said, oh, the dreads are in. The dreads are in on top of the rockles. And so I was like, all right, light, light our carrier sino at range. Uh, and it turns out that it was like three or four dreads that came in, which is, that's not the dreads I was looking for. Ah, right, 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 yeah. So then as I, soon as I came in, loaded grid saw there were three or four dreads, and I was like, where's the rest? Dead. We are dead now. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the dude, day we die. And the dude that wouldn't answer the quest, like a simple question, like how far are you from those carriers? Because you jumped in at range and you aligned out with the carriers and we kept asking like, how far are you from those carriers? And he would just like say weird shit. And then Bliss just goes like, okay, light it, let's jump in. Right? And we just <laughs> fucking lit it and jumped in and hoped for the best. And we were right, right next to the carriers, luckily. And then, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a solid good fight. But uh, yeah. Maybe maybe we shouldn't talk about it all that much. <laughs> but like I said, I webbed a shit ton of stuff. Not too long after. It should have been like probably around that time too. Maybe maybe a month or two later, I webbed a, a bunch of shit. I think everyone does that at who some point. Right? Who, you, who were you fighting? So in that case, it was a weird situation. That was the biggest web. Actually, there was a there's an article on a on a German MMO site about it. Actually. <laughs> Because, like, yeah, but so it was an Asper in Syndicate, just a random Asper. Someone refed it, you know, one of our SCs is like, oh, yeah, let's poke a file, which is nice, right? Like, yeah, go ahead and do it. Right? So he goes, refs it, and uh, on the timer, he comes back and he has like fairly small, I think it was Ishtar's we were flying at the time, a fairly small Ishtar fleet. And he gets engaged by other subs. And, um, I have to say, I got a little bit mad in the middle of it because it like it was completely unnecessary how we lost these ships. You know, we lost the these Ishtas slowly, and I was like, "Dude, logis didn't anchor properly." There was so many mistakes, right? And I got a little mad, so I saw where this was going. So I pinged everything, right? Because I didn't want these guys to get that Aspel saved, right? <laughs> so I pinged everything we had, but it's in syndicate. We have to take this massive region gate. We have to get into a mid. We have to then get the signer in the right spot and all that stuff, right? And then every, everything is mitted and stuff. Our Ishtar fleet was kind of intact still. So I felt like, okay, if we bring in supers now, they have to bail, which is also what happened, right? For like a minute. So <laughs> <laughs> so we bring in, like, I, I just go and comes, okay, 
everything jumps. And at the time, we didn't have a shield super fleet. We didn't have, like, when I call for supers, I expect armor supers and titans, right? So what does Brisk do? Jumps his fucking shield rack in. Then another guy's like, oh, shield rack jumps? I'm going to jump my fucking toy uh, space turret in. Like, what's it called? Revenant, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. That's not what I asked for. And then a Vedator shows up. Like, I, I wasn't aware of what we actually had in free, which is a massive mistake whenever you do this kind of stuff, right? I was just fucking winging it wild. And I was just hoping, okay, surely this is going to be fine, right? Like, I'm just going to play it off. Like, we're in full control. Our Ishtar fleet was tiny already, but, you know, whatever. And then suddenly Sino goes up, right? A shit ton of dreads comes in. And it's like, I don't even know how many. I think a hundred dreads or some shit. And we just couldn't kill them fast enough, right? We had a shit ton of stuff, but we lost the Vendetta, the Revenant, two Titans. Uh, yeah, one of them brisk. It's not your fault. It's the people who jumped in, right? I, I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, the Vendetta is armor tanked, right? Like, I, like, sh- I should have known. I should have also, like, it's always the FCs for it. That's my opinion, at least. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's like if you blame anyone else good, as an good FC, old middle management opinion, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at it, right? If I communicated properly and I have the force, I should have been aware that people might pick this up the wrong way when I say everything jump in and then also i should have been aware they're already mitted with those shield supers and titans right, right? yeah so okay. i should have at least spotted that one and said okay no guys like come on i don't want any shield supers but like i just cared about like getting that fucking thing done i mean we ref the asper right i'm just saying <laughs> of success oh, wait, was but, that, yeah. it wasn't even a kill it was just a ref it was just the ref. It was just the armor. Right. I mean, we, I came back and finished that fucking thing. Trust me. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. It's like, <laughs> it I'll feed the same amount again. And then an Aspel. How much is an Aspel? Is it like <laughs> four for every bill or something? And we lost, yeah. I think, I think it was 350 bill total. Oh, peanuts, right? Yeah, apparently. So, I thought 100 bill was just like, I'm never going to live this down. And I, I thought I lived it down. And then apparently, it's not like anyone really taught i mean we taught we mentioned occasionally where people um where fcs would be like oh i'm worried about losing my caracal fleet and i'd be like look at this battle report and stop being so worried <laughs> um, yeah. but then gobbins just decided to make it part of our like our our staging our ping for the next staging of how we're going to get revenge <laughs> for avarin spaghetti <laughs> <laughs> right okay. in the fields <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if my story doesn't make you feel better, I don't know, right? But I have yeah. to say, there's, I mean, we also, that was at the time when we just figured out how to hunt with Stukas, right? So we just figured it out, I think. And I made myself there, like, I put that, that goal out there saying, okay, like, we lost, I think it was 350, per, but at the end of the day, like, at the end of the month, we managed to come out is positive just from Stuka fleets that I ran. So I went on a fucking rampage. Like every day we fucking killed Rockles. Every day, right? It was like the the I don't know, the glory times of like Stuka hunting, I'm telling you. Like people so, people walk up to you and go like, Oh man, that was so great and you're just staring into the distance with like images of the data <laughs> blowing up in your mind. And you know what? It's not over yet. The, and the Vedetta pilot actually gave me a lot of shit because he only got Nick's reimbursement, right? <laughs> so, like, he's like, wait, I lost the Vendetta, but I'm getting only Nick's SRP. 
It's like, come on, dude. Like, I mean, my know. answer to that was always, you're getting SRP. Back in I mean, my day, yes. yeah, yeah. we paid for all the ships twice. That's true. But yeah, I mean, I think he got over it. But uh, yeah, it was it was a tough. Uh, I wasn't. I wouldn't even say it was a tough time, but it was a tough, tough loss. Mm. My biggest loss ever. What you're gonna do? Yeah, but uh, but now you. I don't know. I think losses are sometimes more important than wins. Um, oh, they can be. You know, it's like White Ross said: more GG, more skill, right? Like you, most of the time, I find you learn more from losing. You know, there are certainly times where you lose and don't learn anything. And you're just like, I did something really dumb that I already knew I shouldn't do, and then I did it and I died for it. But a lot of the times, at least the the closer the fight is, and especially when you lose a close fight, I think you can learn quite a bit. Yeah, I mean. I think definitely um, losses teach you more, but then uh, you know I think they also can destroy NFC, right? Yeah, they can. They can... Well, some people have like feed armor, where like I know FCs <laughs> kind of all they do is lose, and like they just keep going for it, which is like, hey, uh, honestly, probably better for your emotional health than someone who loses a bunch and quits the game basically you know what i think that has to do with the with the mindset they undock with right so if they undock let's say someone undocks in cormorans right you you got this uh what's his name uh, what's his name mist amatin i think right it's your like mm-hmm. premier corm fc you so he undocks cormorans if i start talking about cormorans we're going to be here for four hours but he undocks with almost the goal of losing those comrades, right? But he knows. Yeah, that. I mean, he's he's basically he's basically we're gonna he flies cormorants the way that most people do, but he's always looking for a way that he can kill them, as and but be decently as positive. Yeah, so he only has eyes on like the isk positive part, maybe right? And you know, I guess with, with cormorants, he probably most most of the time he probably succeeds. I'm not sure. I didn't look mm-hmm. at it. I'm, and he, he even, the way he talks about it, even like, it's not even just necessarily a perfectly, like, if he thinks it'll be a fun way to die and go as negative, he'll do it. Because um, he knows overall, he's generally going to be as positive. And like, I always have taken from my first corp, like, kill boards don't matter, fun boards matter, you know, as long as you're having fun, right? Yeah, I think he at least stole the Isk War from me once. And it was the first time I fought him, I think. Because... I camped him in and I was in Munins and then it was in our staging. So it wasn't IGE and he was in system with like, I don't even know how many corms, right? So in my head, I'm already like, it's just corms, right? <laughs> but the problem was, I also told people, okay, I don't know how long we're going to camp these guys in, but this is war. So and this is our staging because if you have to leave, if you have to do stuff, it's totally fine. So over time, like another semi left, another Munin left, right? So I was left instead of like, I don't know, 100 people I had on the gate first. It was just like 60 left, right? Which is fine, but you have to be aware, you know? So I was sitting pretty much on the gate and he warped him and, and killed like, I don't know, two semis maybe or so, right? And we killed all the corms, like, I don't even know, normally like 70 corms, but he just barely got away with the squad. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cormorants. But yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff is great for like new FCs, right? 
get their get their hands dirty. Oh, you had to say it. The Corms are not good for new FCs. All right. Why not? Because, like, okay. So this is my lose. personal opinion of. So I think um, Corms to me, I think are probably about as hard to fly, or about as hard to FC properly. Probably a bit harder than Feroxes. But less than stuff that's harder, like less than eh, I don't know. Even like I understand that they're Ferox's. cheap, but if you want to fly a T1 destroyer that is cheap, uh, has decent projection and can punch up, like the Talwar man, you got to go with the Talwar. Ah, but the delayed DPS in the heck oh come meta. on, it's like two and a half seconds. Honestly. I mean, depends on the range. If you're at like 70 km, I don't I don't know how fast they actually are. It can't be. It's, it must I mean, be more. Light than missiles, it's not that. It doesn't take that long. Hmm. I don't know. I've, I know the alpha is great. So if you hit mutant, uh, if you had semis with them, they can ADC. Mm-hmm. So Dude, the alpha is amazing. That is true. Yeah. And I, you can I don't perma know. MWD, 1.2, I like think. I and like I think the ne- one of the biggest things that new FCs need to learn how to do is to anchor and target call at the same time i think a lot of people struggle with that and the thing about i struggle with that <laughs> you're not you're not anchoring i mean you can but you're doing it wrong if you're anchoring in quorums like you're either aligning or you're sitting still um whereas with yeah. towers you get that like hack um signature bonus or signature reduction when your mwd is on and they're cap stable and it's also a good um because they do have some tank and they mitigate damage because of their signature yeah but like and buff any damage kills them anyway well yeah i mean obviously if you get shot by a bunch of mutants it's not going to make a huge difference but if you run into some some random garbage with a cormorant like if they start shooting you you're going to die unless it's something pathetic whereas with the tower you might tank long enough that if you have some people that are new players that are trying to get into logi and everyone says well you have to wait until you can fly a cruiser to do logi you know, you can get frigate logic with towers, and they actually do something. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. I think people just don't like the way they look, honestly. What? I think the tower looks definitely better than the yeah. cormorant. It looks sick. I think people have like the what's that no. thing when you're afraid of bugs? You don't like bugs? Bugs gross you out? Yeah, I guess it's not arachnophobia, but like whatever phobia, yeah. right? Insectophobia. Oh, that's yep. probably a weird Latin name for it. I mean, I you know. That's just my thing. Anyway, I just like Talwars. I also think that putting 100 people into Blaster Atrons is a great idea. So who knows? You know what? We did Blaster Tyrannus. No, 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 no. I'm going to go a step further when it comes to craziness. Blaster Remote Rep Tyrannus. That was <laughs> Blaster oh, no. Remote Shield no. Rep. Blaster Shield oh. Remote Rep Tyrannus. And you know what? I gave that, so one of our FCs that just, you know, he's not that new anymore, but like he came in to Init and, you know, started I've seen slowly for Init. He's a very experienced FC actually, but nobody knew him, right? So I gave him that challenge saying, okay, make this work, right? So I bought, I bought a bunch of uh, those Tyrannus for fun and told him like, here we go, like make it work. And it wasn't his fault. There was a warp in issue with someone else who gave him the warp in and then he landed off the fleet. I still believe they probably work to a degree, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the these Tyrannus also another shot, I think. Maybe against you guys. 
I RR has always I don't know remote rep. I always love I'm it. I'm always <laughs> so worried in Horde doing remote rep that my fleet is just going to shoot each other and all die to each other by accidentally using their weapons instead of their remote reps on each other. Hey, the like just a couple of days ago, I tested remote rep Gila's. I mean, on a large scale. So we've been flying these for for a long time, actually, not for super long, but for a while. Uh, on a corp level, right? So 20, 25, 30 people. We have tried it on a larger scale with like Vexers and stuff like this. And now, like, I tested these on like a big scale, but I mean, the fight was, you know, kind of lopsided because, you know, we were outnumbered and they had caps. So it wasn't the optimal fight to, to test them on. <laughs> Suboptimal. Yeah. I mean, we were outnumbered two to one and they had like 30 carriers, right? But I still. And I think I overestimated us there. Also, organizational-wise, there was a couple issues. But I still think they can out-trade uh, hack fleets. They can do it. I know, for example... Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, the thing is, right? I'm also doing another thing that's bush gealers, right? So you have, like, 25, like a wing of 25. And you can kill hacks fairly fast with those, right? You would go for simis first, obviously. You can kill them fast. Like we picked out like hex out of out of 100, 200 man blobs easily before, right? Even several ones, right? But obviously your time on grid if you're alone is limited. Like if they're busy, you can just keep murdering shit. So the idea was like if you now scale it up and you have like more gealers, like let's say you have 100, 200 gealers and you don't need those numbers in, in simis and stuff like this, you have a lot of uh, DPS. So your your trade speed, like your kill speed is so high that they almost can't kill you fast enough, right? So You're still using a trigger though, right? Yeah, yeah. so you split that up. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a little... So, I mean, that's a little... I would be less worried with that because... But, like, if you put ships... Like, if we had 50 random people selected from Horde to be in a remote rep Tyrannus, I think probably a third <laughs> of them would be killed by friendly fire. <laughs> they're like trying, oh, they're like right, walking right. onto someone and then they're like, oh, trying to shoot this guy and then they shoot their guns onto the good guy and the rep on the bad guy. Well, I mean, so the thing with, uh, with the Tyrannus is also, you obviously you wouldn't necessarily look for that straight up fight. You know, 100 versus 100. It's not necessarily what you're coming for, right? You're in scepters, so I would expect that hostiles are a little bit more confident to take on some scepters with, like, let's say 50, 50 guys immunants or something, right? So obviously you would try to get on grid with them and create opportunities in some way, right? Get them stretched out, whatever, right? Like, make them warp a little bit, and you're faster when it comes to warping. Um... I mean, there's several techniques or like ways to, you know, uh, create opportunities. And then you would pounce on like small groups. Let's say like you catch one or two here, or you catch some here. And then if they warp in on zero on you and they want to brawl, yeah, well, then, you know, you just overheat your fucking guns and try your best. I think that's probably the way to go with those. Right? Straight up warping into the same sized Munin fleet. I don't know. That's, that's not the, the way to go, really. Right. right. But are you considering the fun, like your enemies having fun too? Yeah, I, I guess with that doctrine, everyone's gonna have fun. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna, you you'll get to kill a shit ton of stuff. They'll have fun once they catch you. Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? That's the kind of stuff that's good for on UFCs. That's why I gave that to uh, 
La Loca, right? And told him, like, hey, like, people are going to have fun. Like, it's not, there's no way around this. Like, you can't, like, how do you undock with Blaster Tyrannosaurus and not have fun, right? It's fucking hard. You'd, you'd have to try to not have fun. Because, I mean, first of all, it's a, it's a new concept people haven't flown before. And that's what I always say, like, new UFCs, like, come up with your own shit, right? Like, don't, don't do the calm thing, maybe, right? Unless you really have an idea of how they work. Do something else. Do something weird. You will already get people interested then, right? They're like, oh, shit, that's something new. And then you, you get some more people. And then also, if you try new shit, like me with the Gila's, trying that on a large scale, most, most of these will say that's crazy, right? Because how are you going to like remote rep Gila's on a large scale, right? That's fucking crazy. But at the same time, if you lose these, and we did, right? We lost a bunch of them. I think we lost like around 17 bill total. And we killed only nine. So we were outnumbered, obviously, right? But whatever. Still, we yeah, lost a bunch of them. But people are not mad about it then. You know, and they're like, all right, we're the pioneers here, right? We're testing this. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it, it's less of a blow then, you know, for people's morale and all that stuff. You don't have to worry all that much, right? If you try new things, it's already, it's already a bonus point well, for, the for FC most people. Because you yeah. haven't, it's not like you've seen that that doctrine flown very successfully a hundred times and then you try it and it's like a miserable failure but you know what if you try something new and it works and it works really good god damn then that CCP feeling. will nerf it <laughs> that too maybe but <laughs> I, I tell you that that's the best right that's the that's definitely the best feeling i feel like uh, that you can have as an fc and eve like if you make something Plus you work, get to um, name the doctrine right that too, that too. I mean, when we're talking about Stukas, Pro God Legend would probably uh, get triggered and say, uh, you know, disagree. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's all right. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, what were we talking about, talking about earlier when, when, I, when I stopped you actually and said we should talk about it on stream? What was that again? I have to actually look it up. Oh, the ego? Yeah, exactly. So you said an FC's ego uh, is what is. I said the ego is the enemy of the Apex FC. So, and I say, I, I'm not sure about that. So you, like from your point of view, explain why you say that. Well, I just, I think, and the qualifier was, it depends on where your motivation comes from. Um, but I think that in terms of your skill as an FC, having ego can only cause you to ignore ways that you need to improve. Um, I, I mean, it could just be a difference in definition, but to me, you know, ego is essentially you're, you're creating self-value through your identity and not through merit. And... Yeah, I mean, I always like the number one advice I give to new FCs is don't ever get don't ever get comfortable thinking that you're good or that you're good enough because I mean to I think to to be good you always have to be trying to get better. All right. So, I mean, there are I mean, I, there are people that, you know, I'm sure undock because <laughs> they like being in charge and they like hearing the sound of their own voice. They like other people hearing their voice. 
Yeah, and so when I said I'm not sure about that, I'm not saying egos are necessarily a good thing, but my argument would be that egos can work in a positive way too. Like if you have a big ego, you might just, I mean, you might be overconfident or you might just have that extra confidence that you need to make certain moves, right? To make that bold move on stuff. And it might just fail, right? It might just fail. But at the same time, that can also open the door for like some epic shit, right? If you have a massive ego and you you jump in, uh, or you, it's like, I say ego, that it's always attached with like negativity. But if you say like confidence, right? If yeah, I think really there's a difference confident, between confidence and like pride there and is. self-importance. There, there is, but I mean, if you have a massive ego, you got to be confident, right? Mm-hmm. So it comes like one comes with the other to a degree at least. So I would say, um, you know, c- certain things, um, you almost need a, a certain level of ego to do this, right? If you have a zero ego, then, you know, there's also very little confidence there, I guess, right? So there's always a little bit, like you need it to a degree, right? If it yeah. it, it goes too far, all right, I get it, yeah. But um, I've just seen th- so many people that ran like a bunch of garbage fleets where they didn't really do that well, but everyone not everyone but a lot of people didn't know the game well enough to realize that they were bad and feeding and then they just got it in their head that like oh i'm an fc <sighs> look at me <laughs> i'm just yeah, like well, dude you're... technically uh, yeah what? yeah i don't know i guess and, uh, and sometimes i feel like because i've always enjoyed sort of teaching people um, so sometimes I've definitely had situations where I was a mentor to someone and they got like, okay. And then decided they didn't need to learn anything anymore. And I don't know, I get a little that's, bit mad about that. Yeah. That's probably the most harmful thing that an ego can do to NFC is the, they're not self-critical, right? So mm-hmm. after a fleet, let's say I've seen it before, right? So I, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to, not going to name any names. And uh, thanks for the whole Scottish text. Um, so in in Enid's case, we have like a little bit of a logbook going on. So FCs lock their fleets. So we know like who's active, who's not active, and we can base it on numbers, right? For let's for promotion and all that stuff. So we need to know basically like who's actually doing fleets. I'm not gonna keep track of everything, right? So everyone is expected to write it down and stuff. And then most people write it down with like a couple stats, right? Let's say we we did this and this, we went into system A, we killed a carrier, which is like the exact uh, example. And uh, then, you know, we went home. Then they leave out the part where they jump the gate and get completely murdered the system next door, right? Then they lost, they killed a carrier and maybe some ships worth three bill. And on the other side, they, kill, they, they lose six bill. But that part doesn't show up. And they don't feel the need of, you know, analyzing, oh, what did I fucking do wrong here? And, uh, you know, that stuff, that's an ego thing, right? And then they don't like talking about that part. And uh, that's, I think, the most harmful thing. It's strange because it's, it's like, if you want to win and you know that some of your, the FCs that you're facing are self-critical, 
you're just like letting them have an advantage if you're not doing it yourself. It's very strange to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a weird case, but I enjoy analyzing my fuck ups. I really do. Mm-hmm. And people always get it wrong when they're in my fleet and we're on the way home and we have like 10 jumps. I start talking about the fight and like what we could have done and everyone's like, ah, oh, don't be so hard on yourself and stuff like this, mm-hmm. which is always weird. I'm like, dudes, come on. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like I, know, I might like, sound like, thing. yeah, I might sound like I'm mad or anything, but actually I just enjoy the process of, you know, going through this and, you know, weirdly enough, those fuck ups then give me confidence that next time, well, I'm obviously not going to do these fuck ups, hopefully. Right. Mm-hmm. And, so there is a chance of winning and then I learned something, right? So I get confidence from that, from mistakes, which is weird, right? It's maybe the opposite of like, it always depends on the mindset, I guess, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a thing in EVE that has always, I can't quite figure it out how it can appeal to so many different kinds of people. It's like basically almost every kind of person can, EVE, can, Eve might get them. Uh, don't know why well i think i mean but there's a there's a certain type of people also that you see over like over and over right there's a certain like i bet if you if you pick like 10 random gamers i can pick the eve guy i (laughs) I don't know dude there's a lot of people that are not your spreadsheet types they're not your i i mean i guess just like if someone is a big enough space nerd, they might just play Eve regardless of any other, because there's so much to do. And there's also a lot of stuff in Eve that is, um, I was talking to someone about this the other day. There's a lot of stuff in Eve that being good at, you you can't be good at it. You just do it and you have a lot of SP <laughs> or you don't, or you have like, you know, a lot of infrastructure or you don't. Um, and then even there are things that you can be good or bad at, but to the layman, it's just not parsable. Like someone watching you who doesn't know Eve, and even someone who does know Eve but doesn't know that particular part of it, can't tell that your like that your little thing you have set up on a wormhole is like really stupid and badly designed or like poorly managed or whatever. Um, so I think a lot of people can they just love the space stuff. And the rest of it is just like, well, find a thing that that keeps them satisfied and and feeling okay, and then just live out the live out the space dream. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, like if you're bad at Counter Strike, anyone with a set of eyes can be like, oh, you died immediately and didn't do anything. That is true. That, that's but why. If you're bad at Eve, it's like some random person. You're like, oh, look at all these pretty lights. Like I've it's... seen, I've seen people get suicide ganked and then ex- like explain that as a fight, like a space fight that happened to people that don't play Eve. Well, if it's exciting to them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it works. But you know what? That's one of the 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 sad things. Like that's why, um, why Eve is always so, so hard to stream, is because people that don't know Eve, they don't know if someone is winning, if someone's doing well. All that, all that stuff in CS or whatever, like anyone can see, okay, this guy's doing like headshots like 24 seven here. Like that dude is fucking good. Right. So it's very easy to spot skill in CS and all that stuff, even though, you know, CS, like that was like before my Eve time, that was my passion really. 
So there's more to that than aim, obviously, right? Um, but I think that's that's so sad that you know you can't really to someone who doesn't know if you can't really show them okay what we're doing right here. This is awesome, or like maybe it's not awesome. Right? Yeah, even <laughs> my streams, I think, only really served to explain things to people that already played Eve that hadn't necessarily participated or understood certain things. I'm not even sure any of the streams that I did explaining things would actually make any sense to someone who had actually never played Eve. Yeah, it's probably most of the, especially like this stream, like the shit we're talking about. <laughs> like most people even playing Eve probably like have questions like here and there and stuff. But yeah, I can't yeah, explain I mean, everything. Playing right? for over 10 years and there are still plenty of parts of the game I have no knowledge about. People Which ask is... me a question and I'm like, I literally don't know. Which is great about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is one of the great things. All right. Uh, Guys, if you have questions, put them in chat, right? Um, we're approaching one and a half hours, so if you have any questions, and I think Convict, actually, CCP Convict, one of my favorite deaths in the game, who also used to be an in it, actually, when I came back, by the way, uh, had a question. Let me read this. Uh, I kind of think if you're an FC for a block and you're trash, you should have been filtered out before you get to summon caps or do strat ops, question mark. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Did he just call you trash? I no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ideally, right? In an ideal world, everyone... The problem is... it's just, This is a problem with the human condition, is that, um, you know, A is higher Bs, B is higher Cs, C is higher Ds, and so on. So you don't always get people who are actually good at what they're doing to be given the opportunity to do those things so you know what that's one of the struggles we had not too long ago maybe a year ago or something we reworked our fc structure like so when do you get promoted when do you do like when do you get uh, the chance to form caps how many caps like do you like can you just summon endless amounts of caps you know at, at what level can you do that when when it's super time like you know that kind of stuff so we wrote down all kinds of rules and split the the fc team up into i think five groups uh recruit roaming skirmish tactical and strategic uh, strategic right so five groups of fcs and then it's all split up like strategic they can feel everything then tactical they, they have access to all kinds of of dreads whatever they want but no supers. Then you have like skirmish, uh, who can field all kinds of subs, but only a limited amount of caps, like a couple triage, maybe two, three dreads for some stuff. Or let's say call for it, right? If someone wants to field his own thing just with the corp or whatever, they can always do whatever they want, right? But uh, you know, so and then how do you actually promote people, right? That's the hardest part about it. Like what we wanted to do. Somebody decides or you have, even if you make criteria, someone makes the criteria, right? Exactly. I mean, yes. So what we wanted to do and what we actually at the end got was pretty much different, to be honest, right? What we wanted to do was have it all fact-based. So the, yeah, yeah. So the idea was you have to have a, a certain amount of fleets. You have to have proven certain things, right? Did you win some fights, right? A proper fight. How do you define a proper fight? Right? That's another problem. So then, like, um, 
a certain fleet of a certain size and i think the size of a fleet that that speaks the most to be quite honest because if you field a lot of fleets and you get a lot of people you're doing something right but yeah if you do a lot of fleets and nobody wants to join then guess what yeah you know you have to work on some stuff or whatever it is um but what we got in the end was a little different because um it turns out like running those stats and all that stuff it's just a little bit too much and it's just too complicated of a system at the end um and then you know we went back to the old system of like okay let's just have the fc group that's on the next level talk about it okay who do we promote and then it's again when favoritism comes into play maybe and this i think yeah. in our case not too much but you know it can, it if can you have happen. enough voices you know if you if you make yeah. sure that you have diverse voices in the decision making process and it's i mean look you're not you're not make, you're not writing tax code you know it is a video game so like and you are going to have to work with these people you know so i mean it it makes sense i think that something like that can be poisoned if the wrong people get into power and then perpetuate a system that sucks but if that happens, I mean, they're going to kill their own alliance eventually anyway, so. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Do we have more questions here? Was the Clueless guy? I don't know. Wait a second. <laughs> Talking about kickies, yeah, and I have to read this. Uh, we don't know what they're doing, but are full of themselves that don't get to lead anything but kicky fleets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. TCP with the sick burns here. I think at least. I'm not sure if that was it aimed at me. I take it personally. Uh, let's see, any questions? I'm just looking for question marks. Sorry if I'm skipping over your stuff. You have to put the question up again, I guess. Um, never forgetty question mark. Never forgetty. Apparently, right? <laughs> Never, never forgetty the spaghetti. All right, doesn't look like I missed any questions. Alrighty, so oh, we had one and a half like hours said, anyway. I have a question. It's gonna be a meme. All right, next, bring it, bring the meme. I'm ready. But let's uh, let's do Dex's question, and while he does that. I want to already say. Now we're all watching him. He's got to be really funny. Better it better be. Nice. It better be good, Dex. I mean, it better be. But I can already say thanks for coming on. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, anytime. It was nice talking to you, and welcome back. <laughs> I had some. Uh, I had some butt cheek clenching last night, warping out of those bombs. That was. Uh, I wasn't there. It was. Yeah, there were several warps. Where it was um, warping Ferox's the the tick on which the first bomb exploded and killed Bubbles, and if not, the rest of the bombs would kill the rest of the Ferox's. So yeah, tie dye kind of helps there, kind of. Also, sometimes like fifteen bombs can go off at the same time and all do damage, which is like okay. Yeah, there's sometimes there's some fuckery happening in tie dye, right? It's especially you know what also happens with like bushes. That's always that's why I dislike. Tied at the most, oh, Dex right? actually had a really good question. Why do we allow Germans to be in charge of things? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. But right, yeah, well, it's been a blast. I'm gonna go have some 
dinner and maybe play some Eve online. Oh yo 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 yo! All right, then maybe we can see each other on the battlefield. And see if love can bloom on the battlefield, right? Say that again. What? See if love can bloom on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty, guys. Um, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for the subs and all that stuff. Much appreciated. And see you guys. I'm not sure if I can stream in the middle of the week. You know, there's there's not all that much I can do at the moment. But uh, I'm always trying to keep up the. FC chat data at least, right? So at the very least, see you on next Friday. Alrighty. And see you guys around. <laughs>